Welcome to the Sound Minds 5-Minute Research Pitch 2017 Finals Presentation. Sound Minds Radio, getting you behind the research and ideas in contemporary life. This episode produced by Michael Schubert. Sound Minds Radio, part of the Community Radio Network. Soundminds.com.au This is the last of seven episodes in the series. You can find all the other episodes at soundminds.com.au Now the 5-Minute Research Pitch is a competition for academics to present their research in 5 minutes. That's it. They can use 3 slides and there are no more rules. Researchers from 7 universities competed this year within their university in one of two categories, Science and Health or Arts, Humanities and Social Sciences. The winner of each category headed off to the finals this year hosted by Central Queensland University because one of their researchers, Dr Melanie Heyman, was the 2016 overall winner. The competition was held at the Melbourne campus of CQU and hosted competitors from seven universities, Central Queensland, the Australian Catholic University, Charles Sturt, Southern Cross, Southern Queensland, Tasmania and Victoria University. Now it takes more than knowledge about your research. It takes preparation and precision to give a five-minute research pitch. Go over five minutes, you're disqualified. The slides don't work, you're on your own. And communication in an academic career is vital because research drives the academic career by communicating to your peers, to your students, informing the public, and even pitching to potential funding bodies all requires succinct communication skills. In this episode, we feature two academics from the 2017 host, Central Queensland University, Dr Alex Russell, a senior postdoctoral fellow with a background in psychology and a focus on gambling research, with one aspect featured today, in Social Influences on Problem Gamblers, and Dr Michaela Lastella, who works in the Appleton Institute for Behavioural Sciences, and has been an active sleep researcher. Today's talk explores a lesser researched area of sleep. Are you getting enough? Sex as a natural hypnotic. Dr. Alex Russell studied taste and smell perception for his PhD. And towards the end of his research, he started working in the area of gambling research, which led to four years the Centre for Gambling Education and Research at Southern Cross University. Now at Central Queensland University, he works as a senior postdoctoral fellow with a focus on gambling research, with specific interests in the area of gambling that include the impact of new technologies on gambling behaviours and related harms, gambling amongst minority groups, and methodological issues in gambling research. Today, he discusses social influences on problem gamblers. Australians love to gamble. Two weeks ago, here in Melbourne, we spent uh, $300 million betting on one horse race, the race that stops the nation. Problem is, we're not very good at it. Worldwide, we have the highest gambling loss per capita. It's Australia first, Singapore second, and Daylight third. Now, most of us can gamble without any related problems, but there are 160,000 problem gamblers in Australia. And these people cost us an additional $5 billion in social costs. Now, even if you're not a problem gambler and you don't know a problem gambler, it affects you through things like gambling-related health issues, 
and crime. Now, gambling researchers like myself spend a lot of time working out who these problem gamblers are. We know a lot about their demographics, and we know a lot about their behaviours. I'm interested in looking beyond the gamblers themselves and understanding the influences on them. We're doing some major work at the moment in terms of gambling-related advertising. You can't watch a sporting contest these days without seeing ads everywhere, and kids can even recite gambling once in the playground. It's getting pretty scary. What I'm interested in looking at is the other thing that influences people, and that is people. Our behaviour is influenced by those around us, particularly in health behaviours and gambling in particular. To understand social influences on gamblers, I surveyed 800 people. Some of these people were non-gamblers, some were recreational gamblers, and some were problem gamblers. I asked them about the 20 most influential people in their lives, who they are. Are they their family? Are they their friends? Are they their colleagues? And do they gamble? For non-gamblers, of the 20 most influential people in their lives, on average, three people were gamblers. For recreational gamblers, it's seven on average. And for problem gamblers, of the 20 most influential people in their lives, 20, 13, are also gamblers. Now this shows you the level of social influence on these people having gambling problems. Where this gets interesting though, is when I ask who out of these 20 people know each other? And from this we can start to map people's social networks. We can find behavioural clusters. And that's exactly what we find. This is one problem gambler from my study. She has five distinct social circles. She has a work social circle. She has her family and she has three distinct groups of friends. Now let's focus on that work social circle. We can see that everyone who is influential in her life at work is also a gambler. So from this we can develop personalised strategies for her that say, perhaps find a new job. <laughs> or if you can't find a new job, how about avoiding these influences at work. Avoid conversations at the water cooler where a lot of gambling related conversations happen. Avoid socialising with them after work where a lot of gambling happens. Instead, focus on socialising with these friends groups where there are no gamblers. You won't feel the influence to gamble so much. Now the nature of these interventions is what we need to work on next. But we're not starting from scratch here. This kind of methodology has been used in obesity, smoking and drinking research very successfully. And what's also important here is that this influence is not just a one-way thing. In smoking research in particular, we found that if you reduce the uh, smoking behaviour of one person, it has knock-on effects to those who are directly connected to them. So there's no reason that we can't do these things in gambling as well. So instead of focusing on one-on-one -on -one type gambling, uh, uh, gambling counselling, we can instead develop methodologies that leverage these social influences and therefore have greater reach into the community and are more efficient. In the end, this has benefits for society, which is all of us, because this impacts everybody. Now, in the end, I'm not about getting rid of gambling. Gambling is fun. It adds a bit of interest to a sporting contest and to a horse race. What I want to get rid of is gambling-related harm. Because if we can get rid of gambling-related harm, then that's a $5 billion jackpot for everybody. Dr. Michaela Lastella 
has been actively involved in sleep research for some years, with his research interest involving examining the sleep-wake behaviours of elite athletes and how various stressors may impact their psychological state and performance, pre-sleep behaviours, sleep, mood and performance. Today he discusses the marriage of sleep and sex in his talk to finish our series, Are You Getting Enough? Sex as a Natural Hypnotic. Okay, so my mission here today is to get you more sex and more sleep. Now there are three main biological appetites that sustain the human race. Food, which we get way too much of these days. And my particular interest, sleep and sex, which compared to our traditional societies, we don't get anywhere near as much as what we used to. And we would all probably be a lot healthier if we got more of both. For example, the research shows us that more sex and more sleep has positive effects on our immune function, on our heart health, on our pain receptors, on our stress levels and psychological well-being, and also our relationships. And more recently, a study found that for every additional hour women slept, they were 14% more likely to engage in sexual activity the next day. But the main problem in modern society is that we don't switch off. We're addicted to our electronic devices, we're addicted to our emails, we're addicted to our social media. And these devices and these platforms prevent us from switching off, and they also delay our sleep onset. Now you may be sitting here thinking, okay Michele, but not getting enough sex or not getting enough sleep isn't really such a big deal. <coughs> but if we just considered the cost of not getting enough sleep in our society, this costs our economy over $66 billion each year. And we can't even begin to measure the cost of not getting enough sex. Now we know that sex and sleep are related because many people report falling asleep faster after having good sex. So my goal, my goal is to use sex as a way to help reduce the sleep disturbances in our society and thereby potentially improve the Australian economy by around $66 billion. So that's more sex, more sleep and more money. That's a win, win, win. But while everyone's talking about it and it sounds great and all, we don't actually have any real data on it. And this is why we decided to conduct an online survey where we asked people about their sex, their sexual activities. We asked them about having sex with and without a partner and whether or not they felt like it improved their sleep. Now we had a total of 460 participants and the age range was actually 18 to 70 years, so it's quite a good spread across all ages. And the average age of our participants was 34. Now I'll just draw your attention to the graph here, where along the y-axis we have the percentage of respondents, and along the x-axis we have the type of sexual activity. Now you're going to see a black and a white bar appear. The white bar is where the respondents have indicated that the type of sexual activity made no difference to their sleep, whereas the black bar is where the type of sexual activity improves their sleep. Now for the first one, self-stimulation here, you can see we had a larger percentage of respondents indicating that self-stimulation alone made no difference to their sleep. But when we asked them about self-stimulation that involved an orgasm, you can see here that percentage starts to decline and the percentage related to improved sleep starts to increase. Now likewise, when we asked about sex with a partner, you can see here we had a larger percentage of participants indicating that sex with a partner improved their sleep. And finally, and continuing on this pattern, we had, when we asked about sex that involved an orgasm, we had 64% of our respondents 
state that they slept better when sex was with a partner and it involved an orgasm. Now we wanted to break this down according to gender and examine it between males and females, but we found no differences between genders, which was quite interesting in itself. Now some of you may be thinking, okay Michele, but engaging in sex at night, we're actually delaying the time we start to initiate sleep, which may be true. But from a sleep researcher's point of view, at least we're not laying in bed, staring at the ceiling, worrying about all the things we need to do the next day, or even scrolling through our phones. So where we'd like to take this research next is we'd like to conduct a randomised controlled trial where we get people to increase the frequency of sex they have and examine whether or not this improves their sleep and other health-related outcomes. If this research comes through, we will then be able to prescribe sex in conjunction with other sleep hygiene practices as a healthy non-pharmaceutical alternative toward improving sleep. Thanks for listening to Sound Minds Radio. This episode is the final one of seven, featuring the finalists in the 2017 5-Minute Research Pitch. You can find the other episodes in the complete Soundminds archive at soundminds.com.au. Soundminds Radio is a project that aims to explore the thinking behind the ideas in contemporary life, creating stories about research in the words of the researcher. Visit our website and please contact us with ideas, critique and suggestions for researchers to interview. Thanks again to all 14 finalists in the 5-Minute Research Pitch, all exemplary communicators and ambassadors for their research. No doubt you'll hear more from some of them in future solo episodes of the Sound Minds Radio Project. And a big thank you to Central Queensland University's Melbourne campus for hosting the 5-Minute Research Pitch. And a shout-out to the Community Radio Network who broadcast the Sound Minds Radio Project each week nationally around Australia, and to Bay FM Community Radio in Byron Bay, host station for the Sound Minds Project. This is Michael Schubert. Thanks for listening to Sound Minds. You've been listening to another episode from Sound Minds Radio, produced for the Community Radio Network. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or visit our website soundminds.com.au